This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today with Republican Senator Mark Harris. Senator Harris serves as a member of the Idaho State Senate from the 35th District. He assumed office in July of 2015. Senator Harris earned a Bachelor Bachelor of Arts degree in political science in 2015 from Utah State University. Thanks for joining me today, Senator. Thank you. Okay, so what are your thoughts on the legislative session so far? What things have gone well, and what are some things that you'd like to see change? Uh, The legislative session has has started off with a bang. Um, Usually, uh, in a normal year, things are a little slow to start rolling. Uh, this year, JFAC, the JFAC process, the Joint Finance Appropriation Committee process, is a little different in the fact that the the chairman, the co-chairman, have implemented a a system where <clears throat> they uh, receive a, a hearing, an informational hearing on the budgets from the departments early, and then and then they vote on them within a week or two weeks later. Uh, normally, in past sessions, they've heard all the presentations in the first half of the session, first six weeks of the session and then not begin to vote on the budgets until the, the last six weeks of the session. And so we're, we're hopeful, we're, we're kind of watching to see if this new, new system works well. Um, in my view, it, it has some definite pluses in the fact that the JFAC members will be hearing budgets when the information is, is fresh on their minds. Uh, where before, you know, they'd, they'd have to go back and, and refresh. But we'll see how that works. There's a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle, I guess you'd say, with regard to the way that the committees run with rules. Um, the House and Senate leadership are working through that, but I'm, I'm pretty confident we can get that figured out on how how the, the, the committee runs. Other than that, I I think it'll be fine. Of course, we, we always go through the rules review process early in the session to, to, to look at the rules that the agencies have written from the last legislative session, the, the policies that we've passed. Idaho's unique in that, that fact that we, we do, the legislature has that ability to review administrative rules, which is a, it's a blessing. It gives constituents and the legislature one more chance to to make sure things are right before they're they're final for final approval, basically, and it's a uh, it's a good process. And we we are starting to see bills uh, come to the floor, Senate floor uh, specifically. Uh, this morning we debated a, a domestic terrorism bill by sent brought by Senator Kelly Anthon, and uh, it was passed. And but we're on our way. Uh, the Senate has the the authority or the duty to confirm gubernatorial appointments, and we're, we're getting those names earlier from the governor than we have in years past, and uh, so we're working through them as well. So it's it's uh, we're off and running. Could you talk a little bit more about that that bill that was passed this morning about domestic terrorism? Sure, Senator Anthony's brought this bill. It's it's I think it's it's third year that it's come through. It's passed the Senate every year. And for one reason or another, it gets held up in the House. But basically, it, it came about as a result of some school board members back east that that basically got put on an FBI watch list because they got a little rowdy at a, a school board meeting, some parents. And uh, they got labeled domestic terrorists, which, which in our view is, is wrong. And what Senator Anthony's bill does is basically prohibits people from being called a domestic terrorist and let, until they've had their due process. And so, you know, you just can't go out and call 
people names willy-nilly without probable cause or due process. And that, that's what this bill does. It's, it clarifies some definitions of what domestic terrorism is and makes sure that there's due process before someone is actually declared a domestic terrorist and has that, that black mark on their name. And you said this bill has been has been passed in the Senate for three consecutive years now. Why do you think it's not getting to the House and what change are getting through the House and what changes have you guys made to the bill to try to make the wording sound a bit better so that it will potentially get passed this year? Reasons why it didn't pass the, the two the two past years is I, I'm not really sure. It, it to me the logic is sound, um, but there was always some questions on if if state statute would still be able to basically penalize people that did a, a terrorist act if if we take this definition of domestic terrorism and, and mess with it. The answer to that is yes. So the example that was used on the floor is if someone. God forbid, goes downtown Boise and shoots 30 people, that person will still be prosecuted under full extent of the law for 30 counts of, of manslaughter. The crime doesn't go away. We want to be careful on who we label a domestic terrorist. If, for example, those school, the parents at the school board meeting got labeled as such and really didn't deserve it. They, they, didn't, they didn't do anything to, be, to qualify as a domestic terrorist. <clears throat> and so there, there's always been a few questions Regarding that, and I think that's there was a little bit of hesitation in in the House uh, State Affairs Committee of if if that should move forward. But I, I'm pretty confident that we've we've got that squared away, and and uh, I think it will receive a hearing, and I think it'll it'll get to their floor. We'll see what they do with it. So I want to talk a little bit about the proposal made about the five thousand dollar tax credit for private school funding. Could you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about? that and what it would do for private schools in Idaho? I haven't seen a draft, um, a draft legislation yet. I don't know if there is one. It, it will have to start in the House of Representatives where it's a, a tax-related bill. But yeah, you're, you're right in the fact that it, it would provide a, a $5,000 tax, $5, tax credit to parents, private schools, charter schools. The cap is, is set at, I believe, $40 million dollars. It'll be a first-come, first-served basis, and then $10 million to set aside for um, special needs uh, situations. I'm not really sure yet. Uh, you know, I haven't seen the exact language on, on how it will be implemented. I don't know if, what sideboards are on it as of yet. So I, I guess I hesitate to, to speculate too much on, on what it will do when, when I haven't seen it yet. But that's the, from, from what I've heard, that's, that's uh, the, the route it's going. Um, This past week, the School of Public Services at Boise State University recently released findings from its Idaho Public Policy Survey. Something I found to be super interesting was for the first time in the survey's history, more Idahoans feel the state is off on the wrong track. What exactly does that mean and what is the state government going to do to get back on the right track? That was an interesting question. I saw it, an interesting survey answer. Yes, you're right. For the first time in, in quite a while... Uh, and the majority of the of the survey respondents responded that Idaho's on the wrong track. The questions that were asked to get to that point were, of course, why? What what do you see wrong? And it was interesting uh, as the divide with the Democrats and Republicans. The 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 Democrat respondents' response basically was, "There's too many Republicans in the state of Idaho," and the the Republican response was, "We have too many move-ins from out of state." As we dug into that that 
answer those answers and that question a little bit further with with the people who took the survey, we, we basically come to the conclusion that there's a general a general uneasiness nationwide, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, and we've got inflation, we've got really high inflation. Groceries are costing more than they ever have. Uh, housing, the price of housing is high. There's wars everywhere in the world. Um, the the political dynamic in Washington D.C. is 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 unsteady, and so we're we're kind of wondering if some of that uneasiness is is kind of percolated down to the, to the state level in Idaho. But you know, you look at the state of Idaho. We've we've got we've got a surplus. Uh, our our budget is higher, of course it is, but also our population is growing. Um, our transportation costs are growing. Our schools are crowded. But but we're taking steps to to remedy those, and um, Idaho is actually in a in a very good place financially, fiscally, and and politically. But it's uh, we're feeling that it's it's some of these national you know open borders, fentanyl issues, stuff like that is is kind of it's making people uneasy. So you would say that a lot of the uneasiness that's happening countrywide, worldwide, was affecting the answers of Idaho state government. And the people's view on that. Yeah, yeah, the people that responded to the survey. That's that, that's what we're thinking is is that national uneasiness is is leaking down and into under the state level. You also mentioned a little bit about the fentanyl crisis. I'd like to talk a little bit about Idaho's fight against that. The Idaho legislature sure. is considering House Bill 406 that would significantly amend existing drug trafficking issues. Now, I know that you're part of the Senate, but I'm sure you've already heard a little bit about about this this bill. So what is the state legislator looking to accomplish with the bill? So the fentanyl bill did did pass the House. Uh, I don't know if it passed the floor. It, it passed out of committee a couple of days ago with no recommendation, went to their floor. Uh, there's, there's several sponsors on the bill. It basically makes um, mandatory minimums for fentanyl. And uh, in my view, it's, it's a needed it's a needed addition. We're getting uh, fentanyl-laced heroin, fentanyl-laced marijuana, fentanyl-laced whatever coming into the state from from basically from Mexico and other places, and it's deadly. Uh, we're losing a lot of our our citizens to overdoses and accidental accidental overdoses. Law enforcement is is asking for help. Law enforcement supports the bill. It's just something that we needed. It, it, it was attempted last year, but I, I, I'm not sure why it died in, in the committee in the House. But it, this year it did get out and went to the floor. And I, I feel pretty confident it's going to pass the floor and be be over in the Senate soon. But it, it is a scourge. It's something that, that we need to look at seriously. You know, Idaho is a is a mandatory minimum state. And, and as we've talked to prosecutors and others, we're finding that drug dealers do not like to come to Idaho. To do their deals, they they stay on the borders, and uh, some of us would like to keep it that way and keep keep the drugs out of Idaho as much as we can. In this bill, what are some of the things written in this bill? What what would it do to keep drug dealers out out of Idaho? Would, and what would it do to those caught with fentanyl in the state of Idaho? I don't have the bill in front of me um, to, to to talk to the specifics, but it as as I said before, the mandatory minimum. So if someone is caught with a certain amount of fentanyl, and I don't recall what the amount is in the bill, but if someone's caught with that certain amount of fentanyl, if it's over a certain amount, then they would be classified as a dealer. That certain amount would would qualify them as 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 having intent to to sell the drug. 
And so that, that minimum, that mandatory minimum would kick in at that point and those people would go to jail. Under, underneath that other, that threshold, they would be classified as a user and there would be some, the way I understand it, there would be some discretion the judges could use to, to set a sentence. But yeah, the, the purpose is to keep, keep dealers out and keep that, that fear, I guess, that if you get caught with so much, you're, you're going to jail for a long time. What are some things that you're looking forward to heading into week four of the state legislative session? There, there's several good pieces of legislation that's coming up. And one that I've been working on for a couple of years now is the emergency medical system and medical services in the state of Idaho. We discovered a couple of years ago that EMS in the state of Idaho is not, is not an essential service like fire and police are. And so we're, we're, we have some draft legislation to, to remedy that, to make EMS an essential service in the state, but also to help help start a fund to, to fund so all all 44 counties have some access to state funds to get their to keep their their program going. EMS is an interesting creature in the fact that there's 44 counties and there's 44 different services of EMS. Each county is a little different. They like their independence. They like the way they do things themselves. And, and as a state, we hesitate to, to step in and say, you'll, you'll do it this way when, when what they're doing is working for them. And so this, this legislation, we're trying to be very careful not to have the state tell them how to do things, but find a way to help fund their ambulances and their equipment. Uh, we're seeing a lot of burnout with EMS people, uh, a lot of retention problems. People are getting tired, retiring. And so we're trying to find ways that we can motivate volunteers and, and others that want to serve so they can they can jump in and, and help serve their communities as, as EMTs and EMS. So we're working through that. I'm excited about that. I think we're making progress on that. One other piece of legislation that i am uh, in, been involved in is uh, Senate Joint Resolution 104, which if we remember a couple of years ago, the citizens of Idaho passed a constitutional amendment to allow the legislature to call itself back into session, not just the governor. But as we got looking at that, we, we omitted a little part in the compensation piece in the Constitution that uh, would allow the legislature to call itself back for however long it wanted to. And, and what we're doing with SGR 104 is limiting that call for extraordinary or special session to 20 days, just like the governor. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. And then uh, another piece of legislation is the Senate Bill 1245, which uh, deals with failure to warn claims on, uh, it would be basically adding language, the Idaho's Pesticide and Chemigation Act, the Idaho Consumer Protection Act to uh, protect uh, companies that, that create uh, products in the state of Idaho with a failure to warn claims and, and, and make sure that that failure to warn claim is, is, is uh, basically enough to protect them from lawsuits. It wouldn't, it wouldn't preclude other lawsuits from being filed, but it would remove the failure to warn claim as justification because the laws of the state of Idaho and the pesticide label and uh, those would satisfy the warnings for health and safety. And, th- and this, the purpose of this legislation is protect our ag producers that depend on chemicals such as Roundup and, and others and, and just make things consistent and available to, the, to our ag producers. So, and, and then there's, there's other things floating around like uh, there's a guns in school bill that I think is on the House floor. And there, there's, some, there's some interesting pieces of legislation out there. And we're just in week three and getting started. So we'll, we'll see what happens. That was Republican Senator Mark Harris. Thanks again for joining me, Senator.